0: NXT is actively fighting against two ideas tonight. They're fighting against the idea that wrestling is dull and boring and not much happens in December. Survivor Series is already passed in AEW, Full Gear is already passed, they don't have a show for a long time. We've got some filler until the Royal Rumble, till WrestleMania season starts, but in the middle, not much is going on. We'll get some cheesy Christmas stuff and that's about it. Uh, not in NXT, if if our layout for December is anything to go by. And they're also fighting against the idea that everybody was screaming from the rooftops that they dropped all their storylines in service of the Survivor Series agenda. And yeah, again, no. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your palace, Bass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with your December 4th NXT review. We're roiling down to the end of the year. And uh, yeah, I guess I should start off with uh, you guys are very used to, if you've been watching me on the YouTube channel for a long time, podcast listeners, you guys aren't used to this yet because I've only been doing that for about six weeks. Uh, YouTube viewers will know that usually I take a break in December but being that the flagpole of this channel is NXT, and NXT is really good right now I'm not doing that, I do have some feelers out talking to some of my other co-hosts, talking to some uh, people that are going to collaborate with me on some additional content that I'm looking forward to, again those of you that were around for the December off days you know what one of those videos tends to be, me, Kristen Guapo doing our uh, little bit of fantasy booking but I'm not getting into that right now, but I'm not taking December off because NXT's getting really, really awesome. That being said, I put it out on Twitter earlier today that I may not be doing an NXT review this week because you know personal life, real life gets in the way. I'm not going to get into it here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drone on about personal stuff uh, in a public forum like this. But I will say I got a couple of responses back. Not prying, not digging for information, just sort of general pat on the back. Hey man, hope everything's okay, and that's that's really cool. So if that was one of you, uh, any of you can find me on Twitter at Phoenix one and for any of you that did, uh, you know, just reach out, just ask the question. That's that's really cool. I really do appreciate it. But, you know, wrestling's a funny thing. Uh, sometimes, obviously, real life will take you away from the wrestling content, and other times, wrestling content is what you what pulls you away from the real life stuff. And that's a little bit of what I needed tonight. So I made sure, sat back down, watched NXT, and now I'm up here talking to you guys, and it's all good. And there's no there's no other there's no other house cleaning really to talk about because yeah, you're gonna get a little bit of extra content from me December, January time I'm not taking December off and that's about it so let's go into NXT this week for December 4th 2019 we're running down the clock of 2019 We get a recap as well. The recaps that they do at the beginning of of NXT are really, really well done, and it's not surprising because it's WWE and their video packages are always great, but NXT just does them with a little bit more flash. We recap the same celebratory feeling that we got from Survivor Series when NXT wiped the floor with everybody else. We talked about last week's celebration with that rapper whose name I still don't know, the stare down between Ripley and Baszler, which was awesome, the turn from Balor to Cole, which is which is weird to say because a heel turned heel on another heel. Um, I don't really know what to say about that. You got Moro Ronaldo back in his perch, um, giving us a rundown of what we can expect tonight. And I will say, great to see Morrow back. It, it is night and day when he's there and when he's not there. My, my hat's off to him for that. His voice is the voice of NXT. I said last week I may do a separate video on that topic. I decided not to. Uh, I decided not to because everybody that's had something to say about it has already said something about it. I like Morrow, but I'm also a fan of Corey Graves. It is what it is. And uh, a lot of people think you have to pick a side or choose one or the other. I don't think Morrow was wrong for how he reacted or taking some time to get himself sorted. I don't think Corey Graves was wrong with just simply sh- simply sharing an opinion. And I know other people want to put other meanings on that but that's just where I stand. I didn't do a whole video on it because it may tie in to a larger topic that I hope to be tackling at a later date or sometime in January and that may become part of the conversation and I don't want to get repetitive. So, as we move on, Morrow's giving us the breakdown of what's going on tonight and he's interrupted by Killian Dane who's already in the ring. Killian Dane who's scheduled to face Damian Priest but he starts off in a promo that I didn't get at first, talking about how Priest isn't a real man, he's not man enough to come down and fight me, and I'm not leaving here until I get a fight. And the commentators, to their credit, scramble to let us know that uh, that Damien Priest is dealing with a rib injury not scheduled to compete tonight, whatever. So basically, Killian Dean did the Kevin Owens thing from this past week where he basically, uh, everybody else is gone, somebody come and fight me. And the person who comes to fight him is Pete Dunne. And yes, though I got made fun of, by one of my co-hosts on the Survivor Series preview for having a bias towards Pete Dunne because I've gotten to see him live so much. I do have an incredible bias towards Pete Dunne because I've gotten to see him live so much. So, uh... Dunn comes to the ring, there's a series of punches to start and Dane bails out of the ring, there's an arm bar by Dunn, a kick to the arm and he works the wrist and the fingers and does all the cool Pete Dunn stuff, there's a Kamora attempt and Dane reverses it and a Pele by Dunn, a running crossbody by Dane turned into a running senton. Dane rakes the face, he hits him with elbow shots in the face, like point of the elbow, to the nose, to the bridge of the nose, to the forehead, right between the eyes, then chokes him on the ropes. A modified crossface by Dunn, an Insiguri in a shoulder by Dane, head and arm lock by Dane, and a running back elbow. Corner insiguri by Dunn, elbow to the back of the neck, which always looks dirty because it's, you know, it's the uh, it's the proverbial shot you don't see coming. And uh, we as an audience, it's one of those things where we as an audience feel the pain because we see it coming and the wrestler doesn't. And yes, that's just storytelling. And yes, I get that he does actually know that it's coming, but it still works. Dane comes off the apron, or sorry, Dunn comes off the apron to do something and hurts his knee. And this changes the entire story of the match, because done. while I am incredibly biased, anybody can come and fight me, tell me this guy's ring psychology isn't on point, because for the rest of the match, he's selling the knee, and there's a huge suicide dive by Dane, while he's dealing with the, with the knee on the outside, and they brawl on the outside for a little bit, there is a little bit of a commercial break, so I lost a little bit of something in between, but what I did catch was a huge... A second rope elbow drop to the back of the knee by Dane. So you figure a huge guy like Killian Dane dropping an elbow on somebody is terrifying enough. To drop it on the already injured knee is worse. To drop it on the back, the soft part of the injured knee is absolutely fantastic. Transitions it into a single leg crab and transitions it into a fisherman suplex. A second rope vertical suplex by Dunn, which shouldn't work because he should be selling the leg, but he was selling the leg the whole time. He's wobbly on the ropes, and you can see his leg shaking even as he's giving the thing. He's selling that his leg isn't okay. What brought him through the move was the rush of adrenaline, and that's awesome. Uh, Same thing goes when he gets back up and hits him with a tornado DDT. Stomps on the fingers by Dunn in a roundhouse kick, a second rope moonsault to the outside by Dunn, which probably isn't the greatest in the world, because you're going to be hitting the ground with your injured knee, which is fine. Dane picks him up, and I don't know what this is called. When Dane does it, I know that when it was called when it was done by Wade Barrett, it was called the Wasteland. But he basically does the overhead wasteland style slam against the against the corner of the apron. Sorry, I'm tripping on my words a little bit. I apologize. And then so not only is that bad enough, you got your spine hitting the corner of the apron, which as Taz would tell you back in the day is the hardest part of the ring. He then follows out to the floor or sorry falls out to the floor which is another impact and then gets hit with a running synton on the floor which is another impact all to the midsection and then gets him back in the ring he goes for a vader bomb uh, Killian Dean goes for a vader bomb and it's countered because Dunn basically opens his whole body up and catches him in a triangle choke but the triangle choke or the triangle uh, submission that he's got locked on him isn't very strong because the triangle choke involves your legs and his legs all fucked so Dane is able to stand up and counter it into a one-arm standing Batista bomb. Single-arm Batista bomb by Dane. Sleeper on the top rope by Dunn because Dane goes up to do the Vader bomb again. uh, Pete Dunn and it's kind of funny because Dane's a big broad dude and it was hard for him to... (laughs) Get, get up there, uh, so it was literally, you could see Dunn sort of like having to rework how he sort of climbed his opponent, and he put this amazing sleeper on him, but the thing about the sleeper is they're standing on the top rope, Dane falls straight backwards, landing on Pete Dunn, so he technically gets the pin, because his dead weight fell on top of Pete Dunn's dead weight, and he gets the win, it's, um, people online were saying it's a cheap victory, it wasn't really a victory, it's just that he didn't lose, and it. it's like, well, made him or sorry Dunn made a mistake and a mistake should cost you a match what it reminded me of and there's a couple different things that I want to touch on here because uh, I've made a couple different random comparisons and references throughout this match so a couple things I need to go, uh back and touch on. William Regal fought the Big Show years ago when he was doing the brass knuckles power of the punch thing, and he pulled out the knuckles and he knocked Big Show in the jaw with the brass knuckles in this cool little spot where the Big Show was dead on his feet, fell back against the ropes, and then fell forward on Regal. He was out. Regal was trapped under the weight of Big Show. Now Big Show didn't do anything to win that match, but Regal's mistake cost him the match. In this case much as I love Pete Dunne, his mistake—I mean, who thinks of putting a sleeper on somebody bigger than them on the top rope and doesn't think something bad's going to happen? So Pete Dunne legitimately lost that match for himself. Second thing I was going to say—I made a—I made a reference to Wade Barrett or Stu Bennett as he's as he's known in other circles. Stu Bennett is apparently the new commentary guy for. Uh, NWA. I don't watch NWA, but I know that the Jim Cornette thing happened, and he made a joke, and everybody pissed their pants about it, so he lost his job. So Wade Barrett, or Stu Bennett, is going to be in that position. Now, that'd be really interesting, because he was a good talker, and when they did put him on on commentary, he was pretty good. It's not... I'll be straight with you guys. It's not enough to make me watch it, but those that do watch it, I'll be listening for their opinions. I, I think um, Okay Fabe has been speaking very highly of it. I know... Uh, good mic work as well has been speaking very highly of it, so I'll be listening for how that goes. But I'm not necessarily gonna watch it. And the last thing I'm gonna say is I did reference Batista when I was talking about, you know, Dane doing the Batista bomb. If you want comedy, if you want something to lighten your wrestling day, just watch the Twitter interaction between Batista and Dana Brooke. It's good. Batista out there proving, you know, you're never too old to, uh, to get her done. And, uh,. That's all the random references I have for you right now. Backstage, we go to talk to Dakota Kai, who's got a match with Rhea Ripley tonight, which was one of the selling points of me watching tonight. I'm not gonna lie, I saw it. It was posted over and over and over again on social media and all the other places. Um, Rhea Ripley's gonna take on Dakota Kai. Now, a year ago, or even six months ago, or even three months ago, when Rhea Ripley was a heel and Dakota Kai was a face, I would look at this match and think, squash, but it's not, but she has a promo in the back about basically Rhea Ripley is an idiot, like, you know, you cut me from the team because, you know, I was I was soft or whatever, and this is exactly what you wanted me to be, I don't know what the fuck your problem is, pretty much, and then somewhere in the middle she called me a Yamahood rat, which just made me smile, and I'm sure all the advocates and SJWs got real, real salty about that one. Out comes the Undisputed Era. It talks about how the era has had a November to remember. They took over Raw. They took over SmackDown. They dominated at Survivor Series. But uh, the year of the prophecy has just begun. We're the Iron Men of NXT. And NXT... Um NXT repays us for all of our great work by letting one of our guys get injured in reference to Bobby Fish, who wasn't there. Kyle O'Reilly came out with both belts, uh, and they they replay they repay us by replaying constantly. Keith Lee pouncing me into the crowd. That's how you treat your NXT champion. After all we've overcome, Balor even turned his back on me, and we need answers. But Balor is not the one that comes out. Keith Lee comes out and he says, "I'll give you credit." But I'll give you the credit for what you've achieved. You, You know, you're all champions and you've all did what you did. But, I mean, we beat you at war games, so... I'm an agent of change. You may have all the gold, but I turned your NXT champion into a gif. You're welcome. (laughs) Which is true. Adam Cole getting pounced into the crowd last week was absolutely insane. And everybody on social is like, oh, what's the big deal? It's not a real crowd. It's just, they're just plants out there. It was still cool. And the thing is, if they were real audience members, somebody probably would have gotten hurt. So is that what you're looking for? I'm, I'm just saying I don't get people sometimes. And, uh... After beating you at war games, I'm just standing here right now deciding which one of those titles I want to I take from you guys. He hits Adam Cole in the face with a mic, which isn't exactly a babyface move, is it? A three-on-one mugging ensues, but Lee stands tall. Champa comes down to help as Cole tries to leave. Ciampa attacks Cole on the ramp and feeds him back to Lee. The Ad- Undisputed Era bail through the crowd, and Lee and Ciampa both stare at the NXT title that has been conveniently left on the ground for storytelling purposes it's all good. We have Xia in the back and she's calling out Shayna Baszler and uh there's a really good match coming up and I have a thought at the end of it and uh probably people aren't going to agree with me just uh spoiler we get a video package a really nice video package on Kushida talking about where he broke his wrist wrestling Walter, back when he wrestled Walter, I think it was like two months ago, um, how he's coming back bigger, better, stronger. They show a lot of footage with him and his family. You know, the upside of being injured is I got to spend more time with my family and now I fight for them and it's just really good. And everybody on Twitter went crazy about how Kashida's kid is real cute. So good for him and I like Kushida. Kushida returning tonight is another big selling point of the show to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you don't put every single match out on Twitter, but if you're trying to get people interested in your show tonight, you put out that you got Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley tonight. You put out that we have the return of Kushida, who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. And it's all good. Now we have Shayna Baszler versus Xia Li. Now, Xia Lee in her backstage promo, talked about how Shayna Baszler and the Horseman bullied her last week. And I'm going to show you that you can't bully me. And bully, 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 because bully is the trigger word. We'll put bully, 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 bully into the promo. And and Shayna's a bully. And any fan that's been watching NXT for five seconds will be like, yeah. And, <laughs> but yeah, Baszler blocks all the shots at the beginning because there's a really really angry sort of you know fighting from underneath flurry from Ziya Lee to start the match. Uh, headlock, takedown. Sorry, I cannot read my own writing. Takedown by Lee, double leg and a mounted punches by Baszler. Tornado kick by Lee. Baszler hangs the arm over the ropes and then does the Baszler stomp thing where she stands up the hand and stands on the elbow and it's always really really Dakota Kai who we were just talking about a minute ago, always sold that move really, really well. I don't think anybody else really knows how to sell it, because it's a really awkward move, and you have to know exactly what it's supposed to be doing to you to sell it properly. And I don't, don't, I'm not a wrestler, I don't have in-ring experience, but I think the one that sold it really well was Dakota Kai, and everybody else just looks like they're having that moment of like, what am I supposed to grab? Which is, which is not the greatest thing in the world. Armbar into a single leg crab by Baszler, and they trade some strikes and some body shots in the corner by Leah Sunset flip powerbomb. A missed kick leads to the Karafuda clutch by Baszler for the win. Now, I have a theory about this. In this, in this match, Shayna Baszler is too good for her own good, because I really do think that they haven't really done much with Xia Lee, and I really think that her stepping up to the champion should have been a real showcase for her. But it's very hard for me to look at something as a showcase when I know it's a squash, and as good as Xia Li looked in this match, you cannot overpower how much, how much Shayna Baszler comes out and looks like a champion, and feels like a champion, and feels like a main eventer, and when you have that, and she has it in spades, and Rhea Ripley has it in spades, that's why I love their feud. Um, when you have that in spades and the other person just doesn't it's hard to ignore the fact that it's a squash and it's hard to appreciate what a good showing Xia had in this match which is awesome in a way because she still feels like an underdog because she still feels like she got squashed but in the end she had a really good showing against somebody who's a bigger star than her so for all the uh, for all the little attempts that were in here done in here by Baszler to make Xia look good uh, they were all for naught because Baszler is is too good. And uh, that's really unfortunate because people are going to say that she can't put other people over, which isn't true. Um, she's going to put somebody over when she loses that belt in a couple weeks, which we're going to talk about later on. Then, you guys know me. I'm Team NXT. W- Wednesday Night Wars are the Wednesday Night Win for NXT. But when something bad happens, I'm going to tell you that something bad happens. And something, guys, something bad did happen. We thought we shipped this problem off to NXT UK, but Cassius Ohno showed up tonight, and I don't give two flying fucks about Cassius Ono He talks about how he's the best wrestler ever. He's the best British wrestler ever. He's, he's here to give us all a World's Collide preview and, and wonders if anybody here wants to talk or wants to fight the best UK wrestler ever. Now... Him going to the UK and saying he's the best UK wrestler out there when he's not from the UK was played out when it started, and I haven't watched uh, NXT UK in quite a while. I'm going to have to start if I want to do a preview for TakeOver Blackpool 2, but that's another story for another day. I I I looked at this and I shook my head so much not only is this a guy that started in NXT proper so he's not representing NXT UK he's not a UK guy so the whole I'm gonna teach you guys what UK wrestling is like is all down the drain and he's gonna be the one to come here and give us a World's Collide preview and I just know all of it no, all of it and then we got back-to-back with Cassius Sono. we got the Forgotten Sons so the show dipped here The show had a big dip right here, because the Forgotten Sons were fighting two jobbers, or at least that's what I had written down before the commentators started talking. They started bigging up these two guys, these guys that are from Evolve, and we know that Evolve has their ties to WWE and NXT because Evolve had their show on the WWE network. Remember the one that all the AEW fans were pissing their pants over because they tried to call it counter-programming and all that? Yeah. Evolve got a, got a prime spotlight from WWE because they have a working relationship with them, and that's not a bad thing. What is a bad thing is when you bring up over and over and over again in a match that this is what Evolve has to offer and then they get squashed by the Forgotten Sons. That is counterproductive. It's not quite counterprogramming like Cody was crying about, but it is counterproductive. So the Forgotten Sons beat two randos from Evolve and Cassius Ono is wandering around pontificating in the parking lot. Good times. Bring it back up because we get Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley or at least that's what we think. Dakota Kai comes down to the ring and this is fucking brilliant. Because she has new music already from last week. She had a new entrance. She's got the the trophy of the of the knee brace that she took off of Tegan Knox, which is gonna remind us about Tegan Knox. It keeps Tegan Knox in the back of our minds, even though Tegan Knox isn't on television, which is wonderful. But her video, her <coughs> sorry, her entrance video, the entire entrance video was footage of her beating the shit out of Tegan Knox at War Games. And in, in interspersed with her music was Tegan Knox crying and screaming in pain from the attack. So literally, she came out to the cries of her victims. And that is fucking brilliant. It didn't need a big live band. It didn't need pyro. It didn't need to happen in a big, huge arena. She didn't need dick druids. But that—that that is brilliant and simple and kind of sadistic. And I really liked it. But it was all for naught because Rhea Ripley came out on the mic and said, you know, you really got us. You really got us at War Games. You left us at a four-on-two advantage. You double-crossed us, and and you had a really good setup there. But these setups, they tend to come back to haunt you, and out comes Mia Yim, who she beat down before the match. Mia Yim beats down Dakota Kai, hits her with a boot. Dakota Kai tries to run. Rhea Ripley tosses her back in, gets kicked in the face by Yim, slam into the post by Kai, and a boot against the post. She does sort of like a modified haluva kick, except she's kicking Mia Yim's face it or sorry the back of her head into the ring post on the outside yim gets you know gets her wits about her again and starts throwing her literally up the rampway uh guardrail to guardrail to guardrail and back up the thing and they brawl all the way into the backstage area now rhea ripley's out there all by herself looking all accomplished and proud and whatever down comes baszler horsewomen return after baszler's win earlier on in the night some nice continuous story thread there which is really good if she was there for that match why would she not still be in the building nice, simple storytelling threads to pull on, and it's really, really good. And there's a three-on-one beatdown on Ripley, but unlike Keith Lee dealing with the Undisputed Era in the first segment and being three-on-one and just sort of overpowering all of them and then getting some help, there was no help, and there was no overpowering, and Baszler basically got taken down in a care food collection in the center of the ring, but they, she had that really cool, like, um fighting from underneath moment. I hate to say fighting from underneath because she's got the power and strength advantage over Baszler I think but she's in the Cara Futa clutch and she still manages to crawl her way to the ropes with Shayna Baszler on her back and it's not until the... Um, it's probably gonna be part of the thumbnail when I put the thumbnail up on this video to be honest with you but there's this cool moment where Duke and Shafir are standing on the outside and they've got her by both arms and they're pulling on both arms which is pulling her throat against the ropes while Baszler is still on her back with the Cara Futa clutch basically I I wrote it down in my notes as a super clutch, because I'm cheesy like that, but it's all good. And then Baszler drops the microphone and says, you know, you got a lot of fight in you and there's nothing on the line. How about two weeks from now when there's something on the line, when you and I are fighting over this? So basically, Baszler came out, beat her up, and then gave her a title shot, which the logic doesn't jive exactly, but I do not care. I could not be paid to give a single fuck because we're getting the match that I've been looking forward to, which is Baszler versus Ripley, which is really good because the... uh, The takeover in Portland isn't until the middle of February. And this story, as great as it is, and as much as the anticipation is building for this match, it won't last two months. There would have to be a whole lot of Ripley- squashing people like Xia Lee and Shayna Baszler, squashing people like Aaliyah or Vanessa Bourne or whatever, and all that would do, it would build the anticipation for this match, or you could even have Ripley taking on single members of the Horsewoman if you want to build that up, or you want to have uh, Baszler go after Ripley's new friends, because she's a face, so she has friends now, but... To get us to the middle of February, I think TakeOver Portland is February 16th, uh, you would basically have to decimate the rest of the roster for this match, and as much as I think this match deserves it, you have to have a way to rehab the uh, the roster after, after a, a, a purge like that, and I mean... <sighs> cards on the table right now, Ripley's taking that belt. And as soon as Ripley takes that belt, we're gonna see Baszler on the main roster. So Ripley needs to have other people around her to fight. And if they've decimated everybody, she becomes a one woman roster. Now she could do that, but at the same time it's not something i think they have to put on her shoulders the only other way that would work is if they decimated the entire roster baszler went to the main roster and they brought up tony storm from from uk but then that really depletes the uk so i don't i don't know what to tell you so we're going to do this match in 2 weeks and avoid any of those problems it's all good Champa versus, sorry, Champa and Lee and Don, Donomic, yeah, Dominic Dijakovic, stupidest name in the world, are taking on the Undisputed Era in a six man tag tonight. If you hadn't already predicted that, we get a video package on Balor, basically, where he's making it crystal clear that he's not siding with the baby faces and he's not siding with the heels. He's there for himself. And he throws in that line, and it's a cliche line. You hear it in wrestling, you hear it in TV, you hear it in movies, you hear it from any bad guy that has ever existed. They're all. They're all playing checkers while I play chess. But then he sort of looks into the camera and says, Hey, Adam Cole, checkmate. Which is really, really good, isn't it? It's, it's, It breaks the mold. It breaks the, okay, you're a good guy, you're a bad guy, you're a good guy, you're a bad guy, black hats, white hats thing, and Balor's just like, no, I I hate everybody, and you're all fucked, you guys are all fighting over who wants to carry the banner for NXT, and there would be no banner, and there wouldn't be NXT without me, my past becomes my future, and it shows a bunch of pictures of him at various takeovers, and when they did Beast in the East, and when they did TakeOver London, it's him... It's funny to see, because it's him with the old, like, square-looking NXT title. Uh, when he does pick up that belt, it will look good on him as well. But that the old belt really does look old by comparison, I will say. We get a video package on Swerve Scott, which is good. And then I immediately went to Twitter, because I'm brilliant, and said, Why is NXT better than AEW? Because it's better to have Swerve than Swagger. I think I'm clever, I made myself laugh, and that's what matters. Cassius Ono comes out, and he's waiting to see who from NXT is going to challenge the guy from NXT UK who's not from the UK. Right, right, right. And the answer is Matt Riddle and I laughed, I cackled here at my TV, as I do sometimes, you guys know that, but I immediately thought about their six second match at TakeOver and Matt Riddle's promo of, we got a ring, we got two rings, and then he taps him out in like six seconds. We didn't get that tonight though, which is really unfortunate because we should have. Collar and elbow tie up and some chain wrestling to start an arm bar by Riddle, back into a collar and elbow tie up again, and yeah, uh, Cassie overhooks overhooks the arm and turns it into a takedown. Cassius Ohno, as much as I don't like him, as much as I, I don't care about him on my TV, he doesn't motivate me in the slightest. It's not like the Forgotten Sons, where there's something there and I want them to give me more. I literally... I literally could not care less about Cassius Ohno. So when he has a decent match like this, it, it it's counter it's counterintuitive to what I think of him, but also this match was slow as fuck. And if you watch Matt Riddle in this match, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Matt Riddle, but... Um, he had to slow down a lot. There were times where he was going to go into a next fluid move, and he literally stopped himself for Cassius Ono. I'm not here to take a dig at Cassius Ono. This is just not a match that anybody deserves to be in. Anyways, Riddle goes for the legs, and there's a knee strike by Ono. body shots by Riddle, and some high knees by Ono. There's a deadlift German suplex by Riddle, because Ono is significantly larger, then hits him with some Daniel Bryan silly kicks, and this match is so boring that I can't even bring myself to do the Daniel Bryan... I, I can't. I can't, not tonight. Uh, running for so by a Riddle, a Pele kick from the apron to the floor, and then go into a commercial break. We come back from the commercial break, and there's more Daniel Bryan silly kicks. Again, no motivation to do my typical gimmicks tonight, just no. Uh, shot to the throat by Ono, boot by Ono, an elbow in the corner, and a cravat, a body scissor by a Riddle, a slam on the tailbone by Ono. It almost looked like Angel Garza's wing clipper. Uh, we're gonna talk about him later on. Don't you worry about it. Straight jacket choke by Ono, and a broton by Riddle. Knee strike, GTS, power bomb, knee strike, floating bro by Riddle, which takes has taken out that combination has taken out much better people than Cassius Ono. So when Cassius Ono kicked out of all that, I was like, "Go fuck yourself." He goes back into the cravat again, but a knee strike and a bro Derek get the win for Matt Riddle. I, I want so much better things for Matt Riddle, I really do, Matt Riddle had the awkward position of going in as a Johnny Gargano replacement at takeover, so when was the last time we were investing in something he was doing, um, Kushida's back, which is good, um, yeah, we're supposed to get him versus Raul Mendoza, Raul Mendoza gets, uh, jumped on the rampway so what we're doing tonight is we're not giving the matches that we say we were giving but he gets the cave-in from Cameron Grimes and Cameron Br- Cameron Grimes and Kushida have a match and I'm not even gonna bother I just had to go through an oh no match I'm not going through a Grimes match Kushida gets the win thank Christ and we move on we get a recap of the Rush Garza issues from the all the jumpings that have happened backstage to Garza taking off his pants in front of Leo Rush's family and whatnot and long story short they're gonna have a title match next week, and Yim is going to take on Kai next week as well. All good. Undisputed Era versus Team Ciampa, which is Champa, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dijakovic. Um, you know, there's no Bobby Fish, and there's no Kevin Owens. Otherwise, this is war games all over again. Strong and Lee start. There's a corner choke slam by Lee. She basically, choke slams him into the turnbuckles, so choke, bomb, buckle, thing. Uh, Muddle stomp by Champa, body shots by Dijak, a series of kicks by O'Reilly, and a vertical toss suplex by Dijak, backbreaker by Dijak, boot by O'Reilly. Dijak uses O'Reilly as a weapon against Strong and Cole. Not gonna lie, once again, second time tonight, sat right over there like a goof cackling at my TV because I'm an idiot. We go into a commercial break, we come back, and there's an abdominal stretch on Strong by Dijak, which is impressive, especially when you see the size disparity. But Dijak does get out of it and he does get him mean, into a pretty wicked lariat I'm not going to lie. Body shots in the corner by O'Reilly and kicks to Lee and Dijack on the outside which is nice. Hot tag to Champa. Champa takes out everybody. Suspension DDT from Champa to Cole. Project Champa to O'Reilly knee strike by Strong. Strong and O'Reilly double team Dijack for a little bit and there's a gutbuster by Strong on Champa. There's a pounce from Lee to Cole just because we're going to, you know, recreate that gif except it's in the ring so it's not as funny so whatever. kick by Cole Disagreed by Cole, and out of nowhere, Finn Balor, Finn Balor rushes the ring dressed all in black, and he drop kicks Cole. He drop kicks Cole into a ref and everybody else that was trying to climb the turnbuckle in the one corner there, which takes out the ref for a little bit. So Adam Cole is down, following up on the attack from last week. But then Balor turns to Champa, hits the 1916 on Champa, just in case we weren't already clear that Balor gives zero fucks about anybody, and it's great, but he comes face to face, and this is random, with Keith Lee. Keith Lee hits probably one of the biggest spirit bombs I have ever seen on Balor. Balor and Lee both bounce off the ring with the impact of this spirit bomb, but then... The ref comes back uh, to consciousness, and Lee hits a gigantic jackhammer on Cole for the win. So Team Champa gets the win. The more important story being that Keith Lee has just pinned the NXT champion, William Reg. Just as we're closing out the show, William Regal comes out and says, "In two weeks." Adam Cole will be defending his NXT championship, but who's he going to defend it against? We're going to find that out next week, because next week we're getting Balor versus Ciampa versus Keith Lee, and the winner of that goes on to face Adam Cole the following week. Here's a hint. It's going to be Balor, isn't it? Anyways. So, for the next two weeks, for your Christmas season, we've got Mia Yim taking on Dakota Kai next week. We've got Leo Rush versus Angel Garza for the Cruiseweight title next week. We've got Baszler versus Ripley for the women's title in two weeks. And Adam Cole versus probably Finn Balor for the NXT Championship in two weeks. Please tell me down in the box below how December is the most boring month in wrestling because I'm going to laugh at you. And I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And it's all good. NXT saves Christmas. There's your there's your, there's your, holiday movie tagline. NXT saves Christmas. Follow that motherfucker. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. I'm Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all, all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. And yes, I just did fuck up my own closing. Bye, guys.